Hi, I'm John Marr, and I'm here today with Mike Capuccio, owner of NETR Inc., a residential and commercial HVAC and refrigeration contractor in Massachusetts. Welcome, Mike. Good morning, John. How are you? Good, thanks. So, uh, Mike, today we're talking about commercial refrigeration. How did NETR get started with commercial refrigeration? That's a very interesting question, John. Um, it goes back about 30 years ago today. What really happened was NETR, a lot of people ask me what NETR stands for. Well, back 30 years ago, when I first started this business, I was in the transportation refrigeration business. So it actually stood for New England Transport Refrigeration. Huh. Like refrigerated... Uh, refrigerated trailers, tra- trucks, and trailers. And stuff yeah, like that. Okay. That's, that's how I started this business. That's what I did 30 years ago. I did that for probably the first 10 years of being in business. And what kind of transpired out of this was I had went back to school at that point in time and started to learn more about commercial refrigeration and how it worked and how the inner, you know, the inner meanings of what actually happened with that type of system and learned how to repair those systems because I was looking at my business at the time and everybody that I did truck refrigeration work for all had refrigeration in their buildings because they were taking refrigerated food and whatever it was out of the building and putting it into their trucks at that time. And they had all asked me, you know, do you work on coolers? Do you work on freezers? And I I really didn't at the time, but I knew they would be a good fit for me to expand my business with that. Um, That being said, we don't do truck refrigeration anymore. So, (laughs) but everybody knew me as New England Transport Refrigeration or NETR. And and I said, you know what? I really can't change my name. I I wish I could, but I'm so far into it now to change all the marketing material and do everything. We just kind of rebranded our name now to um, NETR Heating and Cooling Systems. So, and that's kind of how we got into the commercial refrigeration business, and we, we haven't looked back for the last 20 years now on doing that. So That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the typical places that use commercial refrigeration systems? Well, I mean, I have seen a lot of different uses over the past 30 years, and um, we're very strong in the wholesale food industry, the, the produce industries, people that sell produce, people, produce companies, food, supermarkets that have walk-in type coolers or warehouse type facilities. So we do, we do a lot of warehouse refrigeration work commercially. And now what in the, you know, in the last 10 years, what we've kind of got involved a lot into now is the, um, the pharmaceutical and medical buildings and places like that that have very, very tight temperature control for the products that they store. And I mean, some of these places like when I don't even know what's what's in these coolers, but they're big freezes of vials of certain things. Could be DNA, could be, um, you know, we do some work at Siemens Medical. There's all these blood samples and things like that that are in these places. But that's a very, very tight, tight temperature control where there can be zero variance in the temperature in the room. So let's say it's a 40-degree room. It has to stay at 40 degrees on a constant fine line of 40 degrees where is in with, with food, you have a little bit of a variance in the temperature. The, the cooler might go from 38 degrees to 40, where these, you can't do that. You can't have a tolerance of two degrees in a product. The product has to It might to only st- be like a half a degree or something Yeah, like and, and not, not even a half a degree, sometimes a tenth of a degree. And most of those medical type devices that we've been doing a lot of now, they have what's called redundant 
refrigeration system. So if one breaks, one comes on. They lead lag. One comes on, runs for a week. That one shuts off. The other one comes on for a week. But they all, the products, there's so much money and they're so sensitive to temperature. There's, there's zero tolerance for breakdown or if something doesn't work or something like that. They're all on backup generators. So, you know, when the power goes out, they... These, these, some of these these rooms I'm hearing have over millions of dollars worth of product in them. Right. So you said warehouses obviously have those types of uh, walk-in coolers mm-hmm. and things like that, yeah. um, or walk-in coolers even at um, I suppose restaurants and things like that. Do restaurants use your system? Yeah, re- restaurants. You know, we have we have a lot of restaurants that use you know small walk-in coolers. You know, they might be eight feet by ten feet, something like that. A small. You know, restaurants, places like that, that, that's food. You know, that's kind of more of a food distribution type thing in a, in a restaurant. But um, stuff we're doing is more a lot of warehouse stuff, a lot of bigger, bigger coolers. Um, we just finished a big project now out of Ken's Salad Dressings out in Marlboro. I mean, that was a, mm. a 400,000 square foot cooler for their dressings and stuff that are going into there now. So, I mean, with a big loading dock that was all refrigerated as well. So, I mean, we've got some pretty sizable projects under our belt now for you know the last 10 years now that are going out there. So, right, right. very specialty type thing. A lot of guys in our industry don't do refrigeration work. They all do air conditioning work. They don't do a lot of refrigeration work. I've been brought up in the refrigeration market. That's kind of, I was always in that business. And, you know, air conditioning kind of came as a secondary thing to me where my nature and my full knowledge is really in the refrigeration background. Right. Interesting. Uh, Do you do any work with like supermarkets and things like that, that have those, you know, coolers and freezers for for the food again? We do. we, we, We do do some supermarket work, but it's very limited on what we do. Um, we're not doing, you know, your big stop and shops and shaws like that. We're doing more small mom and pop type supermarkets, things like that. Some some of the bigger chains um, are done by a lot of the bigger companies, and you know, we it's it's hard. It's it's a hard business to really do that twenty four hours, seven days a week, and with a big chain, you need a lot of people to do that. We we uh, we like to really form relationships with people, know the people we're working with, and, and we really want to have a good, strong working environment with the owners that we deal with, not just you know someone answering the phone in California somewhere, and they don't even really know what you do, and you know, there's no, you know, no relationship there, really. The person's there, and then they're gone you know, two months later. Right. So what are some of the typical uh, commercial refrigeration units or equipment that you're working with or installing? Well, right now, John, we kind of work in the 25 horsepower market and down. So, I mean, what that kind of means is is it's very similar to an air conditioning system. There is a condenser that goes outside that usually is up on a roof of some sort or outside on the ground. And then inside there's evaporator coils as well. So we try to work in the 25 horsepower market and less than that. So, I mean, you know, most, I'll give you an example of kind of what that might be. A one horsepower system for refrigeration might be in a small walk-in cooler in a restaurant. A 25 horsepower system would probably be in a 100 by 100 foot cooler. Mm-hmm. So there's a wide variety of systems that we do work on in between. You know, when you take one to 25, there's a lot of different sizes of equipment that we do work on in that market. And what are some of the common commercial refrigeration issues that you're dealing with? Well, definitely one of the biggest issues that you deal with on a regular basis is lack of maintenance. Summertime comes and the condenser coils are dirty. 
They don't, you know, sometimes they don't clean coils. There's not a regular maintenance program going on. First hot day, the system doesn't work because there's been a lack of maintenance at that point. We, we really, most of our people that we tend to work with right now, we really try to lock them into a maintenance agreement where we're coming out there two times a year, spring and fall, to at least check out the systems, make sure that they're working properly, make sure things are clean. Probably the second biggest problem that we see with commercial refrigeration systems is refrigerant leaks. A pipe joint is leaking. It's leaking refrigerant, um, you know, things like that that we see. And, and then probably third would probably be clogged drains. Because these do drain just like you know, when you have your air conditioning on in your car. You see water dripping on the ground. Water does drip out of a commercial refrigeration system. So sometimes drains tend to get clogged. But, again, the biggest problems we're seeing are all maintenance-related issues that can be fixed and seen prior to something happening where it's just, you know, not just, oh, it's it's broken now and you need to come out and fix it. Most of these things can be repaired prior to having an emergency service call. That's why we really stress the maintenance programs. And especially when you're when you're dealing with any kind of sensitive things that need to be cooled, uh, you know, just having a problem where it's broken and not functioning, that, that can just immediately cause huge problems to your, oh, yeah. to, to I your mean, business. <laughs> well, sometimes it amazes me is, is if people try to save $10 and they end up spending $10,000. Right. And, you know, I, I, always, I always say to the a lot of the people that we do work with, I'm like, what's a dollar amount of all that food or all that product that's in that particular cooler? Right. And most of the times they look at me and they say, well, it's anywhere from, you know, $250,000 to a million dollars sometimes. And, and, I, and I say, well, a $2,500 maintenance agreement when I'm not have to, I don't have to be here on an you know, emergency service call because you have a dirty condenser coil. And the other thing too is like, if, if we can fix a refrigeration leak on a system, I mean, some of these 25-horsepower systems or even a 15-horsepower system can hold upwards of 100 pounds of refrigerant. Mm-hmm. So if you take 100 pounds of refrigerant at $15 a pound, I mean, do the math on that. And if you lose all of that refrigerant due to that leak, that's going to cost you a lot of money. If you only lose 25% of that because we see it when we're there on a maintenance, I'm actually saving you money. You're, I can I can repair the leak and add refrigerant to it. You haven't lost the whole charge at that point. So I mean, and a lot of times when the condenser coils are dirty, and you're running at a you run at an extremely high pressure, so you're causing a bigger stress on the system. So you're creating more pressure on those joints, and that can make it even leak even worse at that point. So again, clean coils, refrigerant checking, cleaning drains, flushing drains. Cleaning the indoor evaporator coils too. That's another. That's probably another big problem too. Is that you know you have food in there and cardboard boxes and stuff. It creates dirt on the indoor evaporator coils that need to be cleaned every six months. So, you know, it's when you go in there and no maintenance has been done for five years and, and the cooler's not working. Now it's like okay, let me. I mean, you know, now we have to clean everything, get everything up to snuff, and then you know they say okay, I want to be put on a program. And then you come in every six months, so it's. It's a third of the time to clean something when you're cleaning something every six months. You know, right. envision if you, you know you didn't clean your bathtub for ten years, and, <laughs> or if you cleaned it every day. You know, I mean, it's going to be cleaner. It's a lot easier to maintain. Right. All you have to do is give it a quick wipe down. Yeah, every day you give it a quick wipe, fine. and it's good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. 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 So. So you're talking a lot about maintenance, and that's great. When people do have problems and things are broken, do you, do you tend to come in and do repairs and fix them, or do you sometimes have to replace the whole system? Well, like anything else, John, everything's got a shelf life. You know, A typical commercial refrigeration system has about a 20 to 
30-year life expectancy, I like to tell people. You know, around the 25-year mark, you've, you know, you've, you've pretty much run the course of what you've had there. Have I seen things last not as long? Yeah, I mean, again, lack of maintenance, you're probably going to change that system maybe at the 15-year mark, 15 to 20-year mark, because then it's going to be really, it's not going to be any good at that point. You know, like anything else, the better you take care of it, the longer it lasts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we see a lot of different types of things like that. But, you know, up to that 10 to 15-year point, you're doing you're doing basic repairs, you know, possibly a, a fan motor, an indoor fan motor on the evaporator coil, a condenser coil, um, fan blade or something like that could be being done on that or a contactor of some sort compressor crankcase heater things like that you know you're not doing big major repairs but you know when you get to the 25 year mark you've got you've got a compressor with pistons and things start to wear out and that that's the point where you know the coils are starting to corrode you know you've got a unit that's sitting out on a roof now for 25 to 30 years it's it's going to get weathered and beat up at that point now it's time to start to look at when, when are we going to change this equipment? And, you know, through a maintenance program, you can monitor repairs and see, okay, you know, how much have I spent on this piece of equipment in the last five years? I see a lot of times on a 25-year-old, 30-year-old piece of equipment that people have spent $25,000 repairing this thing in the right. past five years. Well, to replace it would have been 25000 So yeah. in reality, if we replace it now, I mean, if we replaced it back then, for the 25, you wouldn't have spent the 25, and you still would have got another 10 or 15 years out of it from there. So, again, it sounds like a lot of money, but you're going to spend a lot of money on these systems when they get older. If you're not, you know, same thing with HVAC. When you look at a rooftop unit on a roof with the air conditioning, everything has a shelf life. Right. You know, people think because we do maintenance on something all the time that nothing's going to break. Well, it's still 25 years old. Right. You know, I mean, you can change your oil and put a new set of tires on a car that's 25, 30 years old, but you still have a 25, 30-year-old car. Right, right. Yeah, and it's similar to owning a car where, you know, once you start hitting that point where you're going a couple of times a year and spending $1,000 to get it, yeah. you know, repaired, you know, you start to think about, well, maybe I should buy, yeah. buy a new I car. I mean, th- <laughs> think, think about that point. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, my car keeps breaking down. I think it's time I got to buy a new car. Well, my refrigeration system keeps breaking down. Maybe I should buy a new refrigeration system. It's it's funny sometimes. People just don't think like that with refrigeration stuff. It's it's really odd to me sometimes. But you know, that's our specialty. That's what we've got to get across to our customers and be be spelling that out to them through the maintenance programs and saying, you know, when you're doing that's the other good thing about doing maintenance and doing the visual inspections. If you're there every six months, you're seeing yeah. what's going on. And and now you have history to go back to someone versus walking in where you haven't touched this thing for five or six, seven years, you know, sometimes you just don't know. And you can start planning for the future. So you can say, Hey, I think this system is probably going to last another three, you know, four years. Maybe you want to be starting to save up for a new system now. And, you know, so that you're not hit with capital improvements, (laughs) right? Capital improvements. You know, I mean, when we go into businesses and think about how businesses, you know, you have a computer, I mean, a computer has a shelf life, right? You know, a refrigeration system has has a shelf life. It's not two years, it's 25 to 30 years. But I mean, that's when you've really got to start looking at, hey, this is costing me more money than what it would cost to replace. Right. So what are some of the issues that you run into with commercial refrigeration repair and replacement in terms of like, you know, do you guys end up having to come in and do a lot of construction? Do you have to work with towns to pull permits, you know, things like that? 
Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, th there's some things that have to be done there. Most of the time, it's a mechanical permit that needs to be pulled. Some towns, it's a building permit, depending on where you're working. Electrical permits need to be pulled as well. Most times now, when the building permits are getting pulled, is if the units are going onto a roof, there's got to be a structural review of the roof because of the weight of the equipment. You know, you have to make sure that the roof is going to support the weight of the equipment. You could take a 200-pound unit off the roof and put a 2,000-pound unit on the roof. And at that point, you're like, okay, I got to make sure that this mm. roof is going to be able to support this. So nine times out of 10, no building permits are going to be issued when they know something's going on a roof without a structural review. So the structural review has got to get done. And then there's refrigeration piping between the indoor unit and the outdoor units that would be put into a place. When you're doing a replacement, the piping needs to be replaced, so all of that's going to come out. Um, you're going to need a roofer most of the time to seal roofing. We have a roofing subcontractor we work with. We have electrical subcontractors we work with. We have our own electricians on staff, too, as well. So you're going to need some more multiple trades. Sometimes you need a plumber to do the drain work as well. So there's, there's multiple trades that are involved in it in replacing a system as far as doing that. But for the better part of that, we do that every day. We know how to do it. It's really not a problem. Once you've done this for as many years as we have, we know what the routine is on what's going to get done. Right. All right. Well, that's really great information, Mike. Thanks again for speaking with me today. Thanks, John. And for more information, you can visit the NETR website at netrinc.com or call 781-933-NETR. That's 781 781- 933 6387